Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to another episode of the X-Fact Sports Podcast. We're here in season three, episode six. Thank you guys for tuning in. We got a great show for you guys tonight. All right, we got a lot of NFL we got to get through. We got some NBA. We're going to talk about who we think should start in the NBA All-Star Game this year in Indiana next month. We also got some NCAA basketball. We got some true power rankings from the X Factor Sports podcast because we're after the holiday second semester. So this is when we care the most about what these teams are doing. Before we get into all of that, we always got quick news for you. Coming to you live from YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. Thank you guys for tuning in. And you can always catch the audio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. All right. So with the quick news, let's get into it. College football. All right. Obviously, we know Michigan won a national championship. Washington being the runner up. Kellen DeBoer takes the Alabama job. We know Nick Saban retired last week. They didn't waste any time going after the person they wanted. So congratulations to Coach Kellen DeBoer for taking that Alabama job. I wonder how he will do. Hopefully he does well. Maybe some of the Washington guys will come with him down to Alabama. But I'm more interested in about his recruiting. The first couple of years, Alabama, they'll it'll recruit itself. I mean, it's Alabama. Everybody wants to come down there. Crimson Tide, you got all the history. Kellen DeBoer is a great coach. He proved that with Washington, getting them all the way to the national championship. So it'll be interesting to see here two, three years from now where they are, what he does with the recruiting, what type of coordinators he gets to come down there with him. So I'm excited to see that. And then Jim Harbaugh, the national champion coach from Michigan, is taking interviews. So he interviewed with the L.A. Chargers, and he is scheduled to interview with the Falcons this week too. So is this a sign of things to come with – Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL, will he go back to the NFL or will he stay at Michigan? Interesting to see if you watched the show last week, I told you all the reasons I felt like he should go to the NFL and telltale signs of why he wants to go back to the NFL just because he's tired of the, the rules of the NCAA or the lack thereof when it comes to regulations. So I think he wants to go somewhere where <clears> – <throat> He can do his own thing, be his own coach, be a leader of men, so on and so forth. So a couple interviews with NFL teams. We'll see if he goes back to the NFL or not. College basketball, six of the top 10 teams last week lost. Houston losing two games last week. This is why I told y'all I don't really care about non-conference schedule or any of these games before Christmas, first semester, I'm more worried about what they do in January, leading up to March, a couple months before, because the rankings don't matter. Now they're in conference play. These young guys got to go play true road games in conference when you're playing against teams that know how to play the game, veteran basketball players in college. And we saw that last week. Houston dropping two games on the road. We saw Purdue lose last week, KU lose to UCF. A lot going on last week. Like I said, six out of the last 10 or the six of the top 10 teams go down last week. So young players trying to adjust. UConn becomes the number one team in the land for the first time since like 2009, I think. Even though they're defending national champs, those preseason rankings, again, they get bumped out of the way. And this is why you play the games. They show and prove. So at the time, being UConn's the number one team in the country. So congrats to them. See if they can keep it going. In the NBA, Pascal Siakam, eight years in Toronto, won a ring in Toronto with Kawhi Leonard, Fred Van Vliet, all those dudes back in 2019, beat the Warriors, is moving on to the Indiana Pacers. I wouldn't necessarily call it a blockbuster trade, but I would say it's a big trade. He's an all-star. He's a good player. That trade to Indiana, it shows you that Indiana's trying to win right now and to pair him with Tyrese Halliburton and with the big man down the middle, 
it shows that they are trying to win now. They're trying to win some games. So interesting to see what they do. I wonder how Toronto will do. Toronto's probably in a rebuild, obviously losing Freya Van Vliet in free agency and now letting go of Pascal Siakam, who leads that team moving forward. But I like what the Pacers are doing. Miles Turner is the big man that I was talking about with Tyrese Halliburton and Siakam. He's used to playing fast pace, so he'll just jump right in with the Pacers. I think he'll be a good fit. They got a wing player that's a two-way guy, so now you got a point guard, a two-way wing, and a center that can stretch the floor too. I think that'll be good for him. Doesn't do anything for their defense still. They still going to give up 120 points and try to score 130, but I think that's a good move for the Pacers, though, getting an all-star in Pascal Siakam. I think that gets them to compete. Not necessarily, they're not going to be better than Philly. They're not going to be better than Milwaukee. They're not going to be better than Boston. Probably not even Cleveland. But I think Indiana can be one of the top six teams come playoff time, and they don't have to worry about the play-in. They're definitely going to scare some teams, and they'll compete. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Other news in the NBA, the Lakers. The Lakers doing their song and dance always around trade deadline. There's always trade rumors with any team that has a LeBron James. So in these last few years, it's been the Lakers. There's always a stench of everybody can be traded. Trade rumors about Anthony Davis can go, Austin Reeves can go, D'Angelo Russell, so on and so forth. So we'll see what happens. They're always trying to shake things up. You know, you think the in-season tournament champions would have it all figured out. <laughs> but again, they might not even make the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. If they make moves or not, I wonder what they will do. But um, like I said, I don't think they are championship contending anyway. I don't know if there's a move they can make that will make them a championship contending team. If they try to get Zach Levine from the Bulls, if they try to do something, grabbing somebody from the Eastern Conference, I still don't think it's going to happen. I don't think anything comes of these trade rumors for the Lakers. They are who they are at this point. So, that's what we got for them. Lastly, in the NBA, and lastly for quick news, James Dolan. James Dolan is the owner of the Knicks, and it looks like he's taking the first steps of having to be forced to sell his team. <laughs> what do I mean by that? So he's caught up in allegations of sexual assault, and he's caught up in allegations with, um, what's the dude's name? With Harvey Weinstein. So if y'all remember that whole Me Too thing going on with Harvey Weinstein, he's caught up with him in some allegations. We call them allegations because we don't know, and that's what they, everybody's saying. So allegedly, there is some um, sexual assault going on. Somebody blew, blew the whistle on them, and they're under investigation. Now, when you're an owner of a franchise, especially in one of the four major sports, it makes that major sport look bad. So I don't know if he's going to be forced to sell a team if this comes out to be true, but it has happened before. Um, if you remember the owner of the Phoenix Suns, he was accused of some of that, of some allegations like those. Donald Sterling with the Clippers, besides all the racial stuff, it was some sexual allegation stuff too. And they forced him to be banned for life and sell his team. So it's a pattern. And, there are a lot of people in New York that don't like James Dolan anyway. <laughs> so this might be the first step of many to him uh, having to hand that team over to somebody else. So we'll keep an eye on it. We'll let y'all know what's going on. But that's what we hear. Allegations about James Dolan, Nick's owner, and what will happen. So before we get into all the segments, let's go ahead and ask you guys this question. All right. What is the difference between collapsing and choking, right? We saw that last week in the NFL in the wild card round with the Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys losing their opening round games with all the expectations and then getting not only beat, getting blown out, getting embarrassed, all right? So what's the difference between a team that collapses and a team that chokes? So let's talk about it. The Philadelphia Eagles, they were – at one point in the season, 10 and 1, right? They were the best team in the league by, by week 12, week 11. 
They were winning games. They weren't winning them in in great fashion like they were last year. They weren't getting style points, if you want to call it that. But they were figuring out ways to win games. Jalen Hurts was kind of putting on his cape and winning all these games for them. And at some point in the season, it all caught up to them. They lost five out of their last six games. Now they've lost six out of their last seven games because they just lost to Tampa Bay. And I would constitute that as a collapse, right? Excuse me. This team had high expectations. They come out the gate 10 and one. And the expectation is to go back to the Super Bowl. When you're that good, you just came from a Super Bowl and you go out the gate, win 10 out of 11. The expectations are high. The expectation is not to lose a division, get the five seed, go on the road and lose to a nine and 18. That's a collapse. Something was happening internally in that locker room, like I alluded to last week when I predicted Tampa Bay would beat them. I've watched enough sports in my life to see that teams that end up like this don't end well, right? A lot of individual football was being played. If you watch that game, they were not playing as a unit. A.J. Brown is practicing up until Tuesday, and then he just says, I'm not playing. So he's out. He's a scratch for the game on, on Monday night. Jalen Hurts wasn't healthy. Like, none of it looked cohesive at all if you watch that game. And that's how the last seven weeks of the year looked for them. So I would constitute that as a collapse. A team that is built up so high and have the expectations and, and meeting the expectations, and then just week by week, they just look worse and worse and worse, and they just crumble. When you're at the top and you just start crumbling down, that would constitute to me in a sports sense as a collapse. And that's what they did. That's what I think about the Eagles, again, losing five out of the last six. No surprises in the loss, but kind of surprised that they got blew out. I mean, it didn't, look, it didn't look like they played with any pride. It didn't look like they had any fight in them. And then once Jalen Hurts got that safety, you knew it was over. Like, there was no coming back from that. It was just a lot of mistakes. They couldn't, I uh, mean, the, the, and credit to Tampa Bay for their defense, making it tough on Philly, but Philly looked out of it by halftime. It looked like it was over already. So just, I would call that a an epic collapse for a team that had expectations to win a Super Bowl or at least go back. Now, let's get to the choking part, all right? The Cowboys, that is the definition of a choke job. And people say, Jay, why would you call that a choke job? That's just the same thing that the Eagles did. No, 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 no. The difference between the collapse of the Eagles and the choke job of the Cowboys is this. The Cowboys talk trash all the time. The fans, the players, everything. Week one, they beat a sorry-ass Giants team, 40 to nothing, right? All we hear is we them boys. Michael Parsons got a podcast all of a sudden every week talking about how good they are, who they're going to play, who they're going to beat. Self-proclaimed after week one beating the Giants that we're trying to be the best defense in the league. And ironically enough, you lose at home and you give up 48 points to the youngest team in the playoffs in the last like 50 years. So I would call that a choke job because you talked yourself up you built up your own hype. Of course, Jerry Jones is going to be Jerry Jones. And they win the division. Nobody even expected the Cowboys to win a division. Everybody was rooting for the Eagles to do that. They get a home playoff game. They get the two seed. They get to play a seven seed. And then they make history by losing to the first seven seed in the playoffs in, in, in Cowboy fashion, right? Having made it to an NFC title game in 28 years. That is an ultimate choke job, all right? You win your division, you play well, you beat all the bad teams, but anytime you play against a good team in prime time when you need to show up, when you need your quarterback to show up, you choke. Simple as that. The expectations were too high. When the flashing lights got on them, they didn't know how to handle it, and they just got beat down at home. They won every game at home this season. The Cowboys won every single game at home. And then they lose to a seven seed that barely got in the playoffs. That's a choke. I wouldn't consider what they did a collapse because they didn't have the expectations 
they built themselves up, built their fan base up, got them all excited, got the home game they wanted, won the division, and laid an egg. So when you ask me what the definition of, or what's the difference between choking and collapsing, I'm going to say the difference between is one team started out great, but then started to fall apart week by week. But then the other team talked trash all year about what they was going to do. Players got podcasts talking about who they're going to play every week, what they defense going to do, and then they don't do it. That's the choke. All right. When you set expectations for yourself, and then when it's time to meet those expectations, that's a choke job. So get your hopes up. Dak had a great regular season, but when it's money time, he couldn't pay the bills. So that's what it is. So you guys let me know what you think. Choke job, collapse, whatever you want to call it. Cowboys did all that and above. All right. When we come back to the X Factor Sports Podcast, real excited. We're going to talk NBA. We got the All-Star game coming up here in a month. And we are going to tell you who we believe should be the starters in the East and Western Conference. This is the X Factor Sports Podcast, and we'll be right back. love sports and want to stay informed about the latest news and content, then you've got to check out this podcast. The X Factor Sports Podcast is the ultimate source for your favorite sports news and analysis. This host covers all kinds of sports, you'll always be able to find something interesting to listen to. Plus, the podcast is highly entertaining and will keep you on the edge of your seat every time. So, don't wait any longer, subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today. Yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Thank you guys for tuning in. Also with Twitter. So we are going to get to the NBA. All right. All-Star weekend coming up. We're going to talk about who we think should start in the East and West as it stands today. Right. I'm not talking about votes. We're talking about players that deserve to start. Now, a lot of these players, obviously, they're all-stars. So the best of the best in the best league. And when it comes to picking a player for a position, you're basically splitting airs, right? Winning matters to me. When it comes to all-star games, like, yes, I want to see the best players. I want to, I want to be entertaining. But I think that winning should be rewarded. If you're the best player on a good team that's winning games, you should be rewarded by playing in the all-star game. And if you're even better, if you're playing even greater, you should start. So we're going to take it back. Now, Congrats to the NBA. They moved it back to East versus West. So it's not like Team KD versus Team Giannis or anything like that, like a pickup game at the park. They're actually going back to East versus West. So I'm, I'm glad they're doing that. They need to make one more step, though. They need to make it guards, forwards, and center. All right? Need to show the center some love. Bring that back. Don't make it front court, back court. Just put the center position in the all-star game. And you guys let me know live what you think. Do you think the center should be back as a position in the all-star game? Now, the center is a position for all NBA, right? You have to be a center. They they do guards, forwards, and centers when they do all NBA picks at the end of the year. Why not just do that for the all-star game as well, right? Because I think you're cheating out a lot of these centers that actually play well and they don't get to start because you got forwards that do more. So give the center the position back, especially the good ones. They need to be able to get that spot. With that being said, we go into the Eastern Conference first. Who should start? At the guard position, it should be Tyrese Halliburton. I don't think there's any argument that Tyrese Halliburton should be starting for the East. The game's in Indiana. It's his home court. He's been the best point guard in the league. When he's healthy, leads the league in assists, leading the Pacers 
to probably going to go get one of these top four spots in the playoffs, maybe if they can battle out Cleveland. But I think because of the winning and because of his stats and the way he's playing at that position in the Eastern Conference, he deserves that guard spot for sure. And the next one, hopefully he's healthy and he can play in it. But if he is, Tyrese Halliburton, without question, should be starting in the East. And the guard next to him, his running mate, should be Donovan Mitchell. All right. Donovan Mitchell, again, playing winning basketball, leads all guards in scoring, and he has the Cavaliers in the fourth seed right now. Exciting player. You know what you're going to get from Donovan Mitchell. Can score at all three levels. He's got crazy athletic ability, so you're going to get a good player, a great player, and you get entertainment at the same time. That's what you want in an all-star game. Be exciting to watch. So give me Donovan Mitchell at the other guard spot. For the forwards, I want Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, best player on the best team in Boston. I don't even know if they lost a home game yet. It's January, which is crazy. Um, he's having an MVP season. He's averaging like 29 a game. His rebounds are up. His field goal percentage is up. He's running with Jalen Brown. And all these years, people were saying those two couldn't do it together. And they make it work all the time. So, I see Jason Tatum, best. he's probably not the best forward in the East next to East, because Giannis is the other forward that should start with him. But he's the best player on the best team in the league. So you got to give him a nod to start there. Giannis is going to be the other forward. Giannis is averaging 31, 11, and 6. Um, he's the number two seed in the East after they started off kind of slow. I think him and Dame are figuring it out. And Giannis is doing Giannis things. <laughs> so... I think I don't think anybody is going to argue that Giannis should start an all-star game. He might be the leading vote getter, so he's going to start anyway. So I give that to him, having another monster year. And then at the center position, yes, put the center position back in all-star games and give it to Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's been having another monster year. He's trying to be a back-to-back league MVP. Um, if he plays... The, the Sixers win. It's simple as that. When he didn't play, they don't win at all. They lose to the Knicks at home by 20 points. I got I got Embiid on my fantasy basketball team, one of my fantasy leagues, and this dude gives me 75, 80 points a night. Ridiculous. Like, so, of course, Embiid should start at the five, right? Put him at the center position. He's the most dominant player in the league. I don't think he's the best basketball player in the league, but he's definitely the most dominant. And Averaging 34, 12, and 6. I mean, come on, man. So those are my starters in the East. I got Halliburton, Donovan Mitchell, Tatum, Giannis, and Embiid at the 5. Now, who will they go against in the Western Conference? The West is tough. The West was actually tougher for me to figure out than the East because of so many guards. And now when we get into the guards in the West, this is where we talk about splitting hairs, right? We gotta we gotta put winning into the equation. We gotta put how many games you played, impact, all that stuff has come into play. You go to the West because there's just so many guards. And so the guards that I picked to start in the West, I'm going Shea Gilgis Alexander for OKC. Again, they the number two seed in the Western Conference, a young team. Shea looks like an MVP. All his numbers are up from last year. He's leading a young team. They beat all the good teams in both conferences. They've already beat Boston. They beat Denver a couple times. They beat it. They beat Milwaukee. Like they, they're a good team. They look like they're going to be a good, a tough out in the playoffs. And right now, like I said, one of the best teams in the league, and he's the best player at guard. I think Shea Gilgis Alexander gets the nod to start an All Star game. The other guard running with him, Anthony Edwards. You've heard me talk about Anthony Edwards on this podcast a lot. I think he's elite on both ends of the court. And he's got the number one seed in the West with Minnesota. I mean, if you'd have told me in January that the one and two spot in the West was going to be Minnesota and OKC, I'd have laughed at you. I'd say it's Denver, like Denver lost their franchise. Like they're not playing basketball no more. Um, Sacramento gone, like what's what's the problem? So the fact that they are doing this midway through the season is impressive. 
And Anthony Edwards is a huge reason for it. Again, same thing as Tatum. He's the best player on the best team that deserves to be rewarded with a starting spot. So I give that to Anthony Edwards. I know a lot of y'all on here like, you crazy. Where's Luka? Where's De'Aaron Fox? Again, winning matters to me when it comes to an all-star game. Like coaches look at that. You should be rewarded for winning games. Now, yes, you can put Luka in that mix for a starting guard. But when I look at the numbers, all the numbers are identical. But Minnesota is like eight games ahead of them in first place in, in the standings. So it's a no-brainer for me when it gets to that point. If they got the same type of statistics, they're both leading their teams. But Anthony Edwards is equating to more wins. And I don't think he's missed any games. He might have missed one or two games. Luka's missed some games. So as it stands right now, I got Shea and Ant-Man as my starting guards. When we get to the forwards, I'm going to go ahead with Kevin Durant. Again, KD, to me, is the best player in the world. So shouldn't be a surprise that he should start in an all-star game. <laughs> Simple as that. Their record don't look that great. They're, uh, they kind of climbed out of a hole, so now they're in the top six uh, teams in the playoff hunt. But Kevin Durant, this dude's on pace for another 50, 40, 90 year. And only him, Steph, Larry Bird, like there's only a handful of players that have finished the season with 50, 40, 90. And he's on the pace to do it again, makes it look easy. He leads the West in points. He is one of the top rebounding forwards. He's one of the top assist forwards in the West. So got to give him the nod. The other forward running with him, Kawhi Leonard. Again, you have to reward these guys for playing in games and for winning. The Clippers are on a nice little streak. Now that James Harden's been acclimated, they're going on a run. And Kawhi Leonard's the best player on the team. He's, forget 50-40-90, he's at 60-50-90. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about with the numbers, it's field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw, right? 50-40-90. So any, any basketball player will tell you, to do that for a season is remarkable. To shoot 50% from the field, to shoot 40% from three and 90% from the free throw line for in the course of the season is unprecedented. Well, not unprecedented, but there's only a handful of players in the history of 76 years of the NBA. Only a handful of players have done it. So Kawhi's on pace to be at 60%, 50 and 90. So at this point, you got to give him the nod. Again, reward him for winning. And he's played in every game. He hasn't been injured. He hasn't taken any um, rest days, any load management. So props to him. Reward him with a starting spot. And then at center, of course, Nikola Jokic. He's been the best center in the league for a handful of years now. Um, arguably the best player in the world. If you want to give him that title, you won't get an argument from me. I'm going to just tell you Kevin Durant's better. But <laughs> I would not I would not argue with anybody or, or you know, push anybody's opinion to the side about what Jokic has been doing. Again, best center in the game. It's not even close. He's top five in the league in points, rebounds, and assists. And he's averaging damn near a triple-double at center. So, I mean, you can't really fault anybody for taking Jokic at the five spot he's probably your first he's probably the first person on your list in the west right so and they're starting to turn their season around and winning some games they just lost last night to Philly but they don't match up well with Philly I was telling one of my friends he's a Nuggets fan and I told him I said listen Philly reminds me of the Knicks back in the early 90s or like Portland in the 2000s what I mean by that is if Philly could find a way to get out of the East, they could win a championship. They just don't match up. They can't beat Miami. They can't beat Boston. They can't beat Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference. If they ever get to a final, though, I don't think there's one Western Conference team that can beat them. They always beat Denver. Denver cannot match up with them. Joel Embiid is a problem. Maxi is a problem. But they just can't get out of the East. Same thing with the Knicks back in the 90s. Like, if the Knicks ever made it to the finals, beat the Bulls or the Pacers, they would have ran through Portland, Phoenix, all those teams. Easy. I think they would have won a title. 
when they finally got to the finals, they ran into Tim Duncan, so they couldn't do nothing, or Elijah Wan. But they were one of those teams. And then Portland, of course, couldn't beat Shaq and Kobe. So that's how I figure Philly is. And I think that Jokic and Embiid are your top centers in the NBA. So that's what we got for the Western Conference. We got Shea, Ant-Man, KD, Kawhi, and Nikola Jokic. I think that would be a great starting lineup for the East and Western Conference. But obviously, it comes down to votes. So you guys let me know what you think, who your starters would be. Would you throw Steph in the mix? Would you put LeBron in there in the West? Would you get Luka in there? You guys let me know what you think. When we come back, we're going to get into that NFL, like I talked about, the division around. We're going to make our picks. Who do we think is going to the championship round next week in the NFC and AFC? This is Jay Mondain of the X Factor Sports Podcast. We'll be right back. Season 2 of the X Factor Sports Podcast is here. Be sure to tune in live every Wednesday night on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok for real unbiased sports talk. Jay Mondain is bringing a fresh new point of view on the sports world. You don't want to miss out. Subscribe to the X Factor Sports Podcast today. Audio available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. The X Factor Sports Podcast. Real talk for real sports fans. Yo, yo, welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. This is Jay Mondane. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter. If you want to catch the audio, you can always catch it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and iHeartRadio. So thank you guys for tuning in. Let's get into the divisional round. This is the best round, the best weekend of football for me. I always love this round. It's the best teams. You get the best games. The matchups are crazy. They're always good games. And I'm excited to see what happens this weekend. But we got to do a show, so we got to predict who we got winning these games. All right? So let's go ahead and start in the NFC. The Packers, the number seven seed Packers, the first time a number seven makes it to the division round since this new format. They are going up to San Francisco to play the Niners. Packers shocked the world by beating the Cowboys, Um, beating them in the first round. So congrats to them. I think a well-rested 49ers team wins the game, though, Um, giving Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, George Kittle, giving all these guys a week of rest, Brock Purdy. I just think they're the better team. Yes, last week we thought the Cowboys were the better team, too. I feel like the 49ers are more prepared. They're a better team than Dallas. I don't think anybody's going to argue, refute that. I think Jerry Jones knows that the 49ers are better. Um, so I just think that I think the 49ers win this game. The only way the Packers got a chance to win it, they got to force Brock Purdy into some turnovers to do some ill-advised throws. But their offense is so balanced. That was the difference between the Cowboys. They didn't really have much of a run game. I think that the 49ers have a run game. They can pass it to everybody. Debo's the equalizer against any team. Christian McCaffrey can do whatever he want on the field. I just think they have a more balanced team. That defense, their defense is elite. With Drake Greenlaw and Fred Warner at the linebacker position, Javarius Ward behind them. That defensive line, Nikki Bosa, all those dudes. I think Chase Young, like he's excited to finally play in the playoffs. I think this team, they I think they come out and they they have a great game. I just don't think the I don't think the Packers have a chance. I think this game's over. I think it'll be over pretty quick. And the line uh the Niners make short work of the Packers. 
they had a good year. I could be wrong, but like I said, based on what I've been seeing and the way the Niners match up, I think the Niners get them. In the next NFC game, we got the Bucks going to Detroit. And believe it or not, man, the Detroit Lions, Detroit Lions can get to an NFC championship game. I think they got a chance to do it. Um, again, it's a matchup. I think they match up well against the Bucks. I think they have an identity, something that the Eagles did not have or the Eagles lost in the last six weeks of the season. But I think the Lions know who they are. I think winning that first game, even though it was a one-point win, I think winning it kind of got the monkey off their back, right? All the pressure of, man, we haven't won a game here in 30-some years. I think that took the pressure off. They know they can win a playoff game. They're comfortable playing at home now. I think with the Bucks coming in, I think that um, I think the Bucks won a game against a, a great team, and that's kind of like the highlight for them of their season. Like we were nine and eight, nobody expected anything from us, and we won a game. We won a playoff game, but I think reality sets in here in these divisional playoffs. Um, again, the Lions surprised me last week. The Bucks didn't. But the Lions have a chance to go to a title game, and I think they get it done. They face some adversity. Came up with the win against the Rams. Um, the Bucks' defense does look elite, for sure. They look elite against Philly. But another game, Melosi will be forced. They got to force turnovers. I think the Bucks got that's the only way I think they can win. They forced some turnovers on golf. But I just see the Lions winning another game at home and moving on to that NFC title game. Over to the AFC, the Chiefs and the Bills, all right? <clears throat> I think this is the game of the weekend. Everybody's been looking forward to it, including the Bills. The Bills have been waiting years for this, and not in the sense that they've been waiting years to play the Chiefs or get a rematch because they've been playing against the Chiefs in the playoffs this entire time. What I'm saying is the hard work they put in after going 6-6, six and six, to win their division and get a home playoff game, get home field advantage and be that two seed was for this weekend. They know that if they want to get to a Super Bowl, they have to go through Kansas City. And they wanted to prepare themselves to play the Chiefs in Buffalo. And I think this is set up perfect for them to win. And that's why I'm picking Buffalo to win this game. I think Buffalo gets them at home. They finally get the monkey off their back. This, this daunting shadow of the Chiefs beating them, the 13 seconds, Mahomes, all that grim reaper talk. I think they finally get over the hump and they beat the Chiefs. Been waiting three or four years for this. Um, I think they I think they have the advantage. If we want to get into football talk, I think that the Bills stay hot. They've been the hottest team in the league over the last month. They've been playing playoff football in their mind since Thanksgiving, right? So I think they're already in that mindset. They showed it last week against the Steelers with an impressive win. Um, I think the Chiefs' offensive issues rear their ugly head here in Buffalo. They don't have the energy of the home crowd to, you know, <clears throat> pat them on the back, tell them to keep going. I think the Bills fans will be relentless. They want this just as bad as the players do. And um, I think it just rears their ugly head. I think they see Rasheed Rice as a real threat. He can be a real number one. Even though he's a rookie, he's been playing like a veteran this second half of the year. And I think Buffalo takes advantage of that. So when Mahomes will try to save the day, and I just don't know if he'll be able to. So – not saying it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be a classic game. But I think the Bills come out on top. All their games are usually epic games. But I'm taking the Bills in this one. Um, and if the Bills win this one, it's going to be a lot of talk about, like, this may be the new Brady Manning, right? They they have to they have to get by each other to win championships. Back in the day, I think this may be the new iteration of that. But Josh Allen has to win for it to be called that. We can't call it a rivalry. We can't say it's Brady versus Manning. None of that stuff. Because to be honest, Josh Allen ain't, ain't beat Mahomes in the playoffs. So he he can't be put on that level yet until he beats him. 
but I think he gets it done this weekend. So I'm taking the Bills. And then the last game, we got the Texans going into Baltimore, the number four versus number one. Another rested team at home. I'm going to tell you what I've been saying all, all year about Lamar Jackson. The dude just looks focused. Um, I don't see any playing around in his demeanor. I think, honestly, he's pissed off from the offseason, and I think he's just on a mission to prove everybody wrong. I think he gets to prove it in his playoffs. I think he has been hearing about 2019 when they were a one seed and hearing about his MVP year and them, you know, kind of getting upset. The one year they played against the Chargers, the Chargers put seven DBs out there on them <laughs> and beat them in the playoffs. Like, I think he hears all of that. And I think this team's locked in. I mean, their defense is also elite. Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, the linebackers. Um, I just think they're too focused. I think the Texans play well. They've been impressive all year. I didn't expect the Texans to even be in this game. Didn't even pick them to be in this game. But um, I think the secondary matches up well with the Texans, unlike the Browns. The Browns have a good front, but their secondary is not as good as the Ravens, and I think this is what you need to beat them with the elite linebackers. I'm taking the Ravens to win this game at home and get to an AFC title game against Buffalo. Just like we talked about last year when we broke or last week when we broke down our bracket, I think we will see a Bills Ravens AFC Championship game. And I think we get a Niners Lions NFC title game. So you guys let me know what you think. We got a poll here. If you are watching live on TikTok, there is a poll. And we asked the question of which conference do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Do you have the AFC winning the Super Bowl this year or the NFC? All right, you guys let me know when we come back to the X Factor Sports Podcast. We are going to get into college basketball. All right, we finally got some rankings. These kids are done with the first semester. They can stop sweating if they're going to be eligible or not. <laughs> Everybody's going to be playing second semester. So now we're going to get into our first iteration of the NCAA Power Rankings when we come back. This is Jay Mondain of the X-Factor Sports Podcast. All right, y'all. Y'all ready for some college basketball, finally? Yo, yo. Welcome back to the X-Factor Sports Podcast. It's your host, Jay Mondane. If you're just tuning in, we've already talked about some NBA. We got our all-stars that we picked that we feel like should start. We got into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We picked our winners for this weekend. So if you play some bets, go ahead and Place those on who you think you got to win these games. Now we're going to get into some college basketball on the men's side. Finally, we can get into some college basketball, all right? We're going to give y'all our power rankings of the top 10 teams in the country who we think are the top 10. Remember, the power rankings are not your AP poll or your coaches poll that you see on ESPN or any of these networks. This is a power ranking based off the X Factor Sports Podcast based on the teams that they've played, the the way they've been playing, the momentum they have, 
um, strength of schedule, the way they played against ranked teams, all that takes into account of who we think are the powerful teams in America. All right. So we're going to count down from 10. And we're going to go to Kentucky. Kentucky, we feel like is the number 10 team in the country. Hopefully on TikTok, you guys can see that in the background. We got Kentucky at number 10. All right. They got a big win against UNC early in the year. And but they don't have a significant win since. All right. The uh, SEC play started. They lost a tough road game this past weekend at Texas AM. Um, again, I think what their downfall will be come March, it's going to be the experience. If they run into an experienced team, they're going to be in trouble. That's what I think it is. All right. At number nine, as you can see, we got Baylor at number nine. Baylor just lost a tough game last night, too. They just lost an overtime to K-State. Obviously, we made these rankings before we got to that game, but they'll probably fall out of the power rankings in the next couple months. But right now, we got them at nine. They've been playing good defense since the loss to Duke, so you got to give them props for that. Picked up two nice wins last week, and they're not just relying on the threes. Um, like I was going to say, they have a big test this week against K-State. They played them yesterday, but they got Texas on Saturday, so they don't get the rest in these conference games. But I give them the nod because they're one of eight ranked teams in the Big 12. The Big 12 looks like the best conference in America so far. They probably sent eight, nine teams to the tournament. Baylor will definitely be one of them. So that's why I got them at number nine. <clears throat> one of the best teams in the best conference. At number eight, we got Wisconsin out of the Big 10. Rough start, but now that conference play has begun. Uh, they've won four straight, so they're starting to heat up. They got a nice shooter over there. He went to uh, he was at a D3, or no, not D3, like a mid-major, Wofford, I think, something like that. Um, Max Klesman is his name, and this dude goes off, hitting threes from everywhere. Uh, they got a big game against Indiana coming up, but I think that kid, Max Klesman, will lead them in that game, and um, they're starting to heat up. Washington, uh, Wisconsin starting to win a lot of games right now, so they're number eight. At number seven, the Duke Blue Devils, all right, after losing that game to Georgia Tech early on, they went on a run, all right? They won eight straight. So Duke's heating up. Now you got all these teams I talked about in the quick news in the top ten that were losing last week. Duke keeps winning these conference games. They just jump up in the standings. I don't even know what they're ranked. I think they ranked 11th. But in the power rankings, we got them at seven. And here's why. Four conference games in a row that they've won. They're winning conference games on the road. They've won eight straight. Kyle Filipowski looks like the ACC player of the year. All right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see when they're fully healthy because they're not even fully healthy. All right. So we got Tyrese Proctor just now getting back a couple games ago from the ankle. Uh, Mark Mitchell is now dealing with a D issue and they're still reeling off wins. So you got to give them props for that. They're keeping it going. When they get to full strength, they're going to be scary for sure. At number six, we got the Tennessee Volunteers. All right. Uh, are they good or not? <laughs> Let's just ask the question. Um, I like uh, Kai Ziegler. I call him the Black Ziegler. He's the only guy I know that's black who got that last name. <laughs> so, but he's, he, he's been there forever. I don't know when that dude graduated. Might be getting his doctorate. But are they good or not? Right, they they won some big games, but they lose some some questionable games. Um, they got a nice record, but it's interesting to see. You know, they've been they won a lot of games early to kind of get them up in the rankings. Um, I think they are, but every ranked team they played except Ole Miss is got them. So they need to pick up the pace there. Uh, they got a nice stretch coming up, and that'll tell us the truth about Tennessee if they are really a number six power-ranked team here in a couple weeks. And number five, it's crazy to say this, if I would have did the power rankings two weeks ago, they might have been number one. But Houston drops to five. They dropped two games back-to-back. -back. Welcome to the Big 12. <laughs> um, but they look like the best team in the country, and then conference play comes in, and 
They go to Iowa State and lose, and then they drop another one after that. Um, it don't look like it's getting any easier for them either because they got to go. They got Texas Tech, and then I think they got to go to BYU a couple games after that. So it'll be interesting to see what Houston and uh, Kelvin Sampson can do in the Big 12 this year. But it's looking real rough right now. This ain't the American League, man. Y'all got to y'all gotta step it up. Uh, at number four, though, we got KU. So KU just blew out Oklahoma State last night. I mean, that was expected. So I would say KU is at number four in the power rankings. Uh, they escaped TCU at home, but they did get got by UCF. So that's why we don't have them in the top three. They got got by a team they shouldn't have got got by. <laughs> But it happens. So I still think KU is a national championship contender. They always have upperclassmen that can play. I mean, they got player of the year candidates all over the place on their team. Uh, McCullough, they got the, the big man that transferred from Michigan. So they're good to go. But dropping that game versus the other teams ahead of them that are winning games makes sense to put them at four. Um, but they are vulnerable. You know, they... They're vulnerable enough to lose to a team that could turn them over. That's always been their Achilles heel with the guard play. If they can, if they run into a team that forces turnovers and they're not shooting the ball particularly well, they can be got. So I got them at four. At number three, UNC. As much as I hate to say it as a Duke fan, UNC's been playing good. I don't, I don't have any biases when we're on the podcast. I keep it real. They've actually been playing some good basketball. They're 5-0 and in the ACC, um, arguably the best defense in America. And I don't know if it's because of who they played lately or not, but they've been – if you look at the scores of their games, they've been beating people up. So congrats to them. We moved them up to number three in the power rankings. And we'll find out for soon. We'll find out soon if it's real or not. But um, – have to give them props for doing what they've done at the moment. First in the ACC, and they've played six ranked teams already, and they've played only like 16 games, and they're four and two against those ranked teams. So props to them on that, all right? And then we get to the number two team, the Purdue Boilermakers, Zach Eady, the fighting Zach Eadies. <laughs> um, he might be a two-time national player of the year. This dude's unstoppable. They had one slip up against Nebraska. That's why we got them at number two. Losing that game to Nebraska hurt. If you can find a team that could get Zach Eady in the foul trouble, you might can get them too. But other than that, if Zach Eady's on the floor for 30 minutes plus, they probably win the game. Like He's that dominant. So it would just be one of those things. If they have a bad game, a bad shooting night, or Zach Eady gets in a foul trouble, and we'll see what happens with them. If he can carry them, they do got two games this week, Iowa and Indiana. Those would be two big, big 10 games. Those are tough places to play. Those are tough teams to play against. Indiana is actually pretty good. They they played KU tough a couple weeks ago, too, in Bloomington. At number one, and we talked about this uh, in the quick news, UConn Huskies, for the first time in the AP and coaches poll since 2009 that they've been ranked number one in the country. They're ranked number one in the power rankings. And I'll tell you why. It ain't because of what they've been doing or who they beat. It's simply because this past week, all these top five, top ten teams lost, and UConn didn't lose. So you got to give them props for it. You don't, if you don't lose games, you, you earn the right to move up in the power rankings because you beat the teams that are in front of you. You do not get rewarded for losing games. You get rewarded for winning them. So – Defending national champs, and they found their way to the top of the power rankings. Uh, this is why I don't care about the rankings until after the holidays, right? This is a prime example. Because you look at all those preseason rankings, you look at all these non-conference, all these teams that you got to play, the East-West North Technical University games, I don't care about none of that. When we get into the conference play and you start winning those games like UConn is doing, you move your way up to a number one spot. So good one right now against uh, number 18, Creighton. They got a good one coming up soon. So we'll see if UConn can just keep winning games and they'll stay up in the power rankings unless we get a team that beats a good team. 
like UNC and Duke will play each other here in a couple weeks. That'll be a big one for the power rankings for sure. So we'll see what happens with that. But that's the list. As you can see, the power rankings come through and we'll get our second iteration here in the next four weeks. But when we come back, we will get into the final segment of the X Factor Sports Podcast, the two-minute warning. Don't want to miss that. We'll be right back with the X Factor Sports Podcast. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the X Factor Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode 6. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. This has been a great show. We ran through a lot. We ran through college basketball. We finally got them on the show. We thought we, NFL, NBA, will continue to roll through those as the season continues. But in these last two minutes, I want to talk about finding your happiness. All right. Are you able to find happiness? in whatever it is you're doing, whether it's being a parent, whether it's work, whether it's hobbies, whatever it is you like to do or enjoy, it's important to find your own internal happiness. I believe there's three components in finding happiness. It's pleasure, engagement, and meaning, all right? So what I mean by that is doing things you enjoy. That's where you're gonna find pleasure in something. That's what makes you happy. And then being interested in your activity and connecting with others. That's where the engagement comes into it, right? Whatever it is you find that you like, you enjoy doing it and you enjoy sharing it with other people. And then feeling like what you do matters. For me personally, this podcast brings me joy. It's happiness for me. I feel like it is engaging to people. Obviously we're live. We got a lot of people that like to follow and share and subscribe to it. Shout out to the 10,000 followers we got on TikTok. So those are things that I enjoy and I love engaging and talking sports to everybody. And I feel like it matters. I feel like bringing the opinions out, you're getting a non-biased, real talk opinion that none of these other networks can do. They can't give it to you off script like I can or like any other podcast that's similar to this one. So finding those things, those components, is where you could find your happiness. So just find things that you enjoy doing and it'll keep your interest, but also feel like it matters. That's the most important thing. Even if it's a hobby, if it has those components, you might've found something that can make you happy. So you can't make others happy if you can't make yourself happy internally first, right? So those are the things you wanna key in on for your happiness or if it's something that you want to define as true happiness is something again, that internally makes you feel good and that you can bring to others. So be sure to look into that. And if you can find that happy place for yourself. All right. I appreciate you guys for tuning in to episode six of the X Factor sports podcast. Next week, we will get into the conference championship weekend for the NFL. And we got the NBA trade deadline next week. We're going to talk about who's going where and who we think is going where and what it will do for those teams for this final push. This is Jay Mondane of the X Factor Sports Podcast. We want to thank y'all for tuning in. Thank you to Miss D for always doing that thing behind the scenes. We'll see y'all next week. Peace.